Um, so amen for that, though, but how many of you know God is the God of the restoration, right? So if you got a calling on your life, no matter what it is, you try to run and hide from it, but God eventually going to get you, right? <laughs> so, um, so this message today, whenever, uh, you know, last week whenever Pastor asked me to speak, it was actually two different messages all week that I kept getting in my head, and I sort of blended those two in together. And I believe it's a word for everybody today and for the modern day church. Um, apart from that, though, I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is to see all of my family here. Yeah, it's nice. And all my friends and everybody. So it's really nice. So thank you all for coming. <laughs> and, uh, so the, the title of my, my message today is, it's just who am I and the choice. And as I stated, it was uh, really a mixture of two different blessings that I sort of put together here. But um, when I start off here, I mean, I, I, I thought you know, my whole thing is that I always want everybody to get to, like think, you know, to open up your mind and to really like start to use your brain and not just listen to what someone says, but think on your own and study stuff out. And that's always what I've tried to do over all the years that I've ever talked to someone or preached behind a pulpit. So hopefully today um, during this message here will get you to think a little bit, encourage you and, um, you know, leave her today differently than what you came in with. Amen. Amen. All right, let's start off with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we all love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for today and for every soul that is here, Lord, today, and every person that is watching uh, worldwide on, 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 um, on live stream or Facebook, Lord. I ask today, Lord, that you anoint me, Lord, with the gift of teaching, Lord. I pray that your words come out of my mouth and none of my words, Lord, and I pray that I decrease and that you increase. And every single person, Lord, leaves here today differently from when they came in. In the name of our King, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so this first part of this message here is going to be designed to get everybody involved here. So whenever I say to do it, I, I want you all for a moment here to speak this word out loud so that everybody can hear you. And that word is just Jesus. So everybody say Jesus. Okay. Everybody heard everybody say that, right? And we know that sound is nothing more than vibration, right? And that our ears are picking that up, right? So now I want you to do something else. I want you to say that word, but don't say it out loud. Just say it to yourself. Just say it to yourself. In your mind, say it to yourself. Did you hear that voice? Everybody heard their voice, right? Did you speak? How did you hear that, right? So how did you hear something that you didn't speak? Your lips didn't move, right? Your ears didn't hear, but yet you heard that person's voice. And not only did you hear that voice, you heard it was your voice. It sounded like you, right? Right. So the next thing I want you to do, too, is close your eyes and see yourself sitting in, in your chair here right now. I can see myself up here preaching right now. You can see yourself there, right? Right? But how did you see yourself if your eyes aren't open, right? Right? It's kind of weird, isn't it? So the point that I'm trying to make is that who we are, our personality, everything that we do isn't dictated by the flesh, right? Who we are is our spirit. We are a spirit being first and a flesh being second. We are a spirit being living out a physical existence in this reality. And a lot of the times, we kind of get it the reverse way around. You know, we, we, we think that everything that we see and we can touch and we can hear in this world is real, when really it is just our, our five senses. I remember, I uh, can't remember exactly who it was, but it was, it was a while back, a preacher had said, this, is not, this flesh is nothing more than a biological spacesuit um, for us to walk around to live out our existence on this earth. But we most certainly are on or it, are a flesh or a spirit body first rather than flesh. Now, when you close your eyes and you, you picture yourself here, you can also close your eyes and you can picture a memory from your past, correct? You can see yourself in that memory. You can see yourself doing whatever that was. So not only can your spirit see in the now, we can also see in our past too, right? And I'm sure a lot of you, I know myself, can see myself here in the future around 1 o'clock sitting on my couch watching the Steelers playing football. So I can see to a degree into the future as well as into my past and into my present. So the physical world that we live in, in a sense, it may seem real to us, but it's actually reversed. It's actually the unseen world that is dictating what is happening in this world here. 
and not the way, you know, the other way around. And of course, the reason why you're able to hear yourself and to see yourself is because, like I said, we are spirit first and then flesh. So if that's the case, and our spirit holds our memories of who we are, then death is merely an illusion, right? Because we know that when you die, who you are, you're going to carry that on to the next life, wherever that may be, either heaven or hell. But your memory is who you are, your personality is going to go, it's going to follow with you. So this physical body may go into the ground, but my spirit, which is eternal, is going to go on to the next world and take my memories of who I am. So if we think about the reality that we live in now, I can move forward or I can move backwards. I can move to my left or I can move to my right or I can move up and down. I can't jump very high, but I can still do it, right? So that's a three-dimensional cube, right? Up, down, left, right, back, forward. But we also know that there's another dimension as well, and that's time, which is the fourth dimension, okay? So you got four dimensions. So again, where is that other person coming from then? Because you can't physically see them, right? But you heard them. You know they're there. You know that that spirit that, that, that's inside of you is alive. So obviously there's more than just the four dimensions, right? That's what I'm trying to get at. It. My, my, my point of it is, is that there is a spirit world behind the scenes right now, and that world of the unseen dictates what happens in the seen world. So don't you think then, if that world is more real than this world, that we should be feeding our spirit more than we do our flesh, right? Right, amen. Genesis 2 and 7 says that God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into him the breath of life, and then man became a living soul. So when God formed man, it wasn't until he did what? That Adam became a living soul. He breathed into him the breath of life, and then he became a living soul. So prior to this, Adam was nothing more than a piece of flesh, right? There was no life to it. So it was the spirit that was giving life to the flesh and not the other way around. So in other words, you know, we are spirit first and then flesh. So the reason, well, I mean, why is this all important? Why am I saying this? So I believe today, not anybody here, but I mean, just as a whole, the body of Christ in general, we've forgotten who we really are. We've forgotten what our true identity is. And I think a lot of Christians today have an identity crisis. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten the power that they have. They've forgotten the greatness that is inside every single person. No matter who you are on, on, on this earth, every single person has the potential to do greatness, to do great things, and to be great. And of course, it all comes down to a choice, right? You have to choose. So the world, you know, slash Satan, I think has done everything they can to try to blind us from the real truth. You know, if you look around the world, I mean, there is so many distractions, isn't there? I mean, everything, you know? Like your TV, look into my magic crystal ball. Don't look at God, look at here, focus on this. Focus on the negative, focus on the wars, focus on COVID, blah, 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 whatever, right? So the whole idea of it is, is to get us off the mark, to get us away from the real truth, to get us away from the relationship with God. And of course, this flesh, which we know is weak, right? Gets entangled into that, gets wrapped into that, and we never truly feed the other part of us, the more important part of us, that actually is the one that controls everything. The flesh. I mean, the, the, the spirit. So, if we, if we go just by what the world says, and we get into, you know, the whole evolution, right? Which I like to call it evolution, because that's pretty much what it is, right? It's not evolution, it's evolution, right? It tells us that we came from pond scum, right? There was a big bang, and boom, all these particles and uh, minerals just, just floated on top of the water, and for millions of years, we just floated there. And then one day we said, you know what, I'm sick of floating. I want to swim. So I think I'm going to be a tadpole now. So we turn into a tadpole and, you know, we swim around for more millions of years. And then we get to the point that we say, you know what, I wonder what's outside this water. Oh, look, there's land. Well, we don't have lungs, so we can't jump out of this water because we're going we're gonna to die, right? So for millions of years, we're going to flip-flop onto the land till we can't breathe anymore and go back into the water and then in the water and out of the water until eventually we develop lungs, right? And then we say, okay, now that I have lungs, let's go explore. And then, of course, you know, we know what happens after that. We just kept evolving, evolving into the different stages of man, Neanderthal man, Cro-Magnon man. And then eventually we become 
modern day man, right? I don't know about you, but I think it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe that there was a creator God that actually formed man from the dust of the ground. To give you an idea, in physics, okay, anything to 10 to the 80th power is considered absurd. It cannot happen, right? There's just no way that it can happen. The chances of evolution being real is 10 to the 650th power. Okay, That's, those are the actual statistics. So to, get, to put it down into better perspective for you, imagine that you were in a junkyard, and this was a jet plane junkyard. And you're looking around, and there's engines, and there's radars, and there's electronics, there's wings, there's all this stuff, okay, that a modern-day jet or airplane has. And imagine this big storm breaks out, and this tornado hits. Boom. And it's starting to just swirl up all the different parts to this, to this jet. And when it's done, it's a fully functioning jet. It has all the gas it needs, the jet fuel. It has all the electronics. Everything's working, and everything's good to go. Now imagine that. The chances of evolution being real is a thousand times greater than what that is. So just to kind of put it into perspective there, so, but, you know, sorry to modern-day scientists, but, you know, King Kong is not my distant relative. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sorry to break it to everybody. But uh, the world has done everything it can to help us forget where we came from and who we came from. And the truth of it is is that Satan is very afraid of that. He's afraid of us because he knows that if we truly understand who we are as sons and daughters of God, then he has, he has, he has no chance. He can't win, right? So in order to try to get us, the only way, the only way he can try to is to try to blind us from that truth, keep you distracted, keep you bogged down, throw more responsibility on you, do whatever he can to weaken the spirit, to get you down to where you're thinking, woe is me. And you never truly understand who you are and whose you are. We are all created in the image and likeness of God. Keep in mind that no other creature, no other angel, nothing was created in the image of God. Save man. Save man. We are the only ones. You know that the Bible says that the angels actually look at us and marvel? And you know that the Bible says that the angels actually learn about God through us too? We are the heirs of salvation. Angels cannot be redeemed for, for you know... It, if, if they commit a sin or fall from grace or whatever, they can't be redeemed, but man can. So they actually learn about that through us. I don't know about y'all, but I think that if there was a chance for an angel to repent, there'd probably be some that, would, that did. Probably be some that didn't, but I mean, they probably would because they realize they messed up big time, and now they're going to spend eternity somewhere else. Just a little uh, FYI here, too. I like to throw in these little bits and nuggets every now and again when I'm talking to people, but... If you look in the Bible at all the different names of the angels and even some of the outside text, you see that most angels' names end in L, right? Michael, Gabriel. You get outside the canon, you get into Uriel. Who's the one angel that didn't name, that did not end in L? Lucifer. And L, we know, is a name for God. El Shaddai, Elohim, right? So the name L was nowhere found in Lucifer's name. Meaning that he was basically... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he tried to, you know, he, he tried to do things his way and God said, I ain't have none of that. Get out. So, you know, behold, like lightning, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Right. So we are children of that light and we are created from that light. And in fact, we are a part of that light. We are an actual part of God. And we know he's light. And we know that darkness cannot overpower light. And we know that darkness only fills the gaps and spaces where light is not present. Wherever there is light, there is life. Wherever there is darkness, there's death. And even the Bible says that, you know, the darkness cannot comprehend the light. That actually means overtake it. Like the, the darkness can never overtake the light. No matter what it is, no matter what the movies say about the bad guys winning, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen that way. Sorry. Sorry, Hollywood. God is the ultimate winner. And in the end, he will ultimately win. We are literally the masterpiece of creation. And we were created by the greatest artist that ever lived. You know, a few weeks back, whenever I was opening the message one day, I did a little thing on our DNA and how the name of God is actually written. And if you look at the patterns of proteins that are in your double-stranded DNA, it actually does spell out the name of 
um, Yahweh, which is the name of God. So it's as if the artist was signing his masterpiece on every single person. That's awesome, isn't it? I don't know about you, but whenever I see things like that, you know, that that's empowering, you know what I mean? Knowledge is power, and the more that you do know about God, and the closer you get to him, the more powerful you become. So knowing is more than just half the battle. I think it's a lot of the battle. But we are the pinnacle of the creation of God. And even the Bible says, as I mentioned, that the angels look at us and marvel and they learn through us. Psalm 8.4 states that who is man that you are mindful of him? You know, Satan's done everything he can to convince us that we're not as powerful as him and that he's this big, powerful, big, bad angel. But we know he's not. I mean, he is a defeated foe. He's defeated. When Jesus died on the cross... It literally says that he you know, went into the heart of the earth and made a spectacle of him right in front of everybody down there. Took the keys to death, the keys to hell, and the keys to the kingdom and rose from the dead and said, all power is mine. Took it right back from you. Adam may have given it over to you for a brief moment, but I'm taking it back, and you ain't getting it back this time. So, amen, amen. And we know that, that you know, Satan, of course, trying to be he goes around like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is a roaring lion. He goes around like a roaring lion. So his bark is worse than his bite. You know, you see, you know, he's sort of got that that little dog syndrome. Cindy knows about this. Our 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 little dog. He's a little pug. I mean, he is evil. Listen, this dog is evil. He tries to bite everybody. Pastor Adam can tell you he is evil, but he can't inflict no damage because he's too little. But. He, he is sure feisty, and he, and he will try, and he will never give up either. He'll keep coming after you and coming after you, and as soon as you turn your back, he'll come up, and boom, he bites you on them ankles and tries to draw blood. Yeah. 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 So with all that being said then, you know, why is it then, knowing that we are spirit first and then flesh second, but why is it that we do struggle so much as human beings, right? Why? You know, there's a saying out there, it's been said for a long time, I'm sure you probably have all heard this, but it says that the greatest lie that Satan ever told was convincing the world that he doesn't exist, right? Have you ever heard someone say that before? Well, I say this, that the greatest lie Satan has ever told isn't that, but it is convincing the world, convincing us that he's free, meanwhile putting the chains on us. Amen? Amen. We were made free and we're not a prisoner, Yet today we do find ourselves, some of us anyways, with chains of bondage, struggling to get by. Romans 8.37 states to us that we were more than conquerors through him that loved us. So it would be good enough if we were just a conqueror, but we're actually more than that. We're more than a conqueror, right? Through him that loved us. So no matter what situation, no matter what we are facing, we know that we can conquer it. There's nothing in this world that we cannot do as children of God. On our own, yeah, you're going to fail. But with God, all things are possible. Everything, you know, All things are possible, no matter what it is. With God before you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? Amen. And everything in the world, going back to what I said, is designed to distract us from the real truth. Keep you busy, keep you bogged down in a way then nobody questions anything, and we just go about our existence. You know, you see people just going about their existence. You know, I travel a lot for work, and I, and I, I do a lot of trade shows. And, and oftentimes, I sit there, and I just look at these big cities, and I just see these people, and I wonder to myself, do they know who God is? I mean, they're just walking around busy, not, you know, forgetting about everything, just living out their life, and yet, do they even know who God is? Do they even spend the time? Do they, have they even heard the name Jesus Christ before? Maybe, but maybe not, though, too. Probably in this country, I'd say, yeah, but there's some other countries out there where they probably haven't heard that name because, quite frankly, you're not allowed to say that name in some countries, right? But keep you busy, keep you bogged down. That way nobody questions anything. Go about your business. Ephesians 5 and 16 tells us that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. So... The way I like to interpret that is not evil in the sense that, like, it's evil because it's satanic or it's evil because it's an actual bad thing, but it's evil in the sense that, yeah, you get distracted. You get off the mark, right? If you don't stay on that path, I mean, it's very easy to get, to get knocked off, and that's what Satan does. That's how he comes. And he does it in a way that is so subtle that sometimes you don't even recognize it. 
And then there's times where we do it to ourselves too. I mean, listen, I'm not giving any, any more credit to Satan to what's due. I mean, he, you know, he, he does mess up. But there's a lot of times we are our own worst enemy because not only are we fighting him, we're fighting this flesh. Okay? We're fighting the flesh too. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and come on because you're going to have to crucify that flesh too. Right? But a while back, you know, whenever I was open at one time, I had said too, though, you know, Satan doesn't come in with one big death blow to get you. To mark, I mean, he has to come in and little by little add certain things, add certain problems, and add more weight to your life to bog you down, to get you off the mark, to get you away from either spending time with God with the word or spending time in prayer or helping other people or, you know, evangelizing to other people. Whatever it is, he, he, he does it in such a subtle way that sometimes you don't even really notice. And next thing you know, you look and you say, wow, I didn't pray today. It's been three days before I prayed. I didn't spend time in the word, right? It's a very easy thing to, to happen to you. So you have to be very diligent and be very aware of the enemy and how he works, which is always why it's good to know your enemy, right? Know who he is. He's tricky. Not powerful, but tricky. You know, in Genesis, it says that the serpent was the most craftiest animal that there was, right? Right. So where does that bring us all then? So we know, again, that we are spirit first, flesh second, right? We know that we're created in the image of God, and we know that we are more than conquerors. So again, why do we walk around in defeat? Why is it so hard sometimes to find victory in certain areas of our life? I struggle with things for years, you know, and I ask myself the question all the time, why can't I find victory, Lord? And I think that, you know, the, the most simplest way to kind of put it is, is that there's just certain areas where maybe we haven't given God full control. You know, we say, God, you can have 95% of my life, but this other area, it's off limits to you, God. It's, it's mine. You know what I mean? And we haven't given it over. And if we would just do that, we would know, we, we would just see a lot more victory in a lot more areas of our life. And even though we are Christians, we know that there's going to be bad days that come, right? The Bible says it. You know, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So there's going to be days where you're going to have a bad day. The attacks are going to come. In fact, it promises it. And in fact, Satan, I mean, listen, if you ain't, if you ain't a threat to him, you think he's going to waste his time? He's not worried about you. You're not a threat to him. But if you are a threat, be rest assured he is coming for you can't exactly remember where it's at in the Bible, but there was, they were going into an, a, uh, an exorcism, and this demon actually called out and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? So in other words, saying, I'm not afraid of you. You ain't, you ain't got no power. Right? Right. Amen. So knowing that bad things will happen, I think one of the biggest things, and you know, Adam, you preached on this a, a while back about the joy of the Lord being your strength. When you have that joy of the Lord in you and that, and that, that peace, that inner peace that just comes, who cares about everything else, right? Right. Because you know at the end of the day, he's, he is going to take care of you. If he feeds the birds and feeds the animals and does everything he needs to do, I mean, how much more important are you to them? You were created in his image. But if we understand who we are and the greatness in each and every one of us and what we're capable of, then again, we can run, you know, we, we can face every challenge, every situation, no matter what it is, with, with confidence. And keep in mind, we got an arsenal in our disposal. We have weapons. The Bible says we have weapons, right? We got offensive weapons and we got defensive weapons. The Bible says that we are to put on the full armor of God, which includes the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and finally, the sword of the Spirit, right? Which is the word of God. So if we're going into battle unprepared, well, I mean, you can guess what the, you know, what, what, of what's going to happen. You, if, if you go into a war with no weapons and you only got defensive weapons, well, you may last a little bit long, but eventually that armor is going to give out too, right? So you got to have both. You got to have the word of God at your disposal. You got to know this word inside and out and take up this word and say, on guard, right? Come on. It's my sword. We also know that Revelation 12, 11 states that they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
And they also love not their lives unto death. That's the part that I love hearing right there, that last part. They love their lives not unto death. So in other words, they weren't worried about this physical body. You know, they weren't worried about because they knew where they were going. I mean, they were willing to get, to lay down their lives for what they believed in, right? I mean, we think about the disciples and the followers of Jesus and the horrible, torturing deaths that they all faced, right? Peter being stunned to death, right? Peter being crucified upside down. He said, I'm, I am literally not worthy of being killed, you know, crucified the same way as, as, as my Lord from a cross upside down. Horrible, but they did it though, and thank God they did, because if they didn't, we probably wouldn't be sitting here right now today sharing the gospel with everybody. So we can thank those men of faith that stood their ground and said, no matter what, I don't care what you do to this physical body, you can do whatever you want to do. And in the end, I will not falter and I will not fail and I will not denounce my God, my King, and the Word of God. It is truth and it is life. This world that we live in, sure you all agree, it's getting more evil by the day. As I believe truly, I'm, I'm sure you all do too, but we are getting closer to the return of the king. The king is coming soon again, right? And as these days go by, they're going to get more and more intense. The Bible, yeah, and the Bible promises it. Just like a woman giving birth, the closer she gets to having that kid, those birth pains come on harder, stronger, and longer, and faster, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Cindy. She runs to the hospital real quick and says, give me that epidural right now, and then boom, and then, you know, she don't have to go through none of it. Amen? Amen. Yeah. No, nah, she, she does good. I love her. Yeah, she has three, three, three children, so. So, with this coming closer to us, we can expect the attacks to get bigger, stronger, faster. And again, if we don't go into the battle prepared, you're going to lose, right? Yeah. So we have to be sure. We got to be on our A game and we got to make sure that whatever we do, we have everything that the Bible has, you know, says that, that well, we are supposed to have. So again, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Because there may come a time in the near future where you do have to choose between giving your life and your faith. There may come a time. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty privileged to be living in this country because we've never had to experience that. But the other countries, though, that is a reality for them every single day when they wake up. If you even so much as speak the name Jesus, they'll, they'll kill you. If you even have a Bible in your hands, they'll cut your hands right off, right? So I thank God that we do live in a country to where we are free to worship how we see fit. And we don't have to worry about, you know, them trying to execute us or do things to us or catch us on fire or whatever. But the question I would ask, though, I mean, is, are you prepared for that, though? If, 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 if today, if that was to happen, if we were sitting here right now and somebody kicked in the doors and came in here and said, reject Jesus Christ and live or die, what would you do? Do you know for 100% for sure that you could say, go ahead and kill me? It's a very tough thing, right, to know that. Or what if they're doing, you know, hurting one of your loved ones? Can you really sit there and watch? I don't know. Tough thing, right? So it goes back to knowing who you are and where you will spend eternity, right? Those are the two things that matter. And when you, have, and, and when you know that, when you're confident in who you are and whose you are and where you are going, then it makes it so much easier then for you to dig in your heels and say, come on, do what you want. Right? Amen. You are a child of God, a child of the King of Kings and a child of light made in his image. If you aren't confident in who you are, and if you don't know 100%, you are his. And the Bible says today is your day, not tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. 
But if you don't have the inner peace that's inside of you that says, I am his and he is mine, that's a very scary thing to be walking about, though, especially in this day we live in now with all the, the sickness and everything that's going around, right? Right. It's a very, very, very scary thing. So wouldn't it be better then to, to know that, to get your heart right, to get your life right, and to make sure that you are his and he, and he is yours, and then no matter what happens, no matter what you know goes on, that you will be his. Again, we know that we are in these last days, right? And we're heading into a time period that the Bible talks more about than it does than any other time period in the history of existence. Did you know that even, the, even more than when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, the, the end times was spoken by more people in the Bible than it was even the birth of Jesus or the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, that's how important it is to God. The end times are very important to him. And if we're bogged down with the weights of this world and not prepared for battle, then how can we expect to have victory in any area of our life, right? Now is the time to not have an identity crisis. Now is the time to understand who you truly are and whose you are. You are a child of the light. And you simply need to make the choice to do that, to listen to God when he speaks. And when he comes to your heart and knocks at the door, he says, behold, I knock at the door. If any man will answer, I will come in. Amen. But yet, some people put him off and reject him and push him away. And they don't answer that knock and they leave him out there truly by himself. Now is not the time for mediocrity. Now is the time to be fully on fire for God. We all agree that we are in the last days, okay? There's no other signs that has to happen. Listen, I've spent a lot of time, years of my life studying Revelation. There's nothing that has to happen. It could happen. I mean, the rapture could happen right now. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the dead in Christ shall rise, and those who are alive and well shall be caught to meet him. That could happen at any moment. Are you ready? And if not, are you prepared then to, to face what comes after that? The Bible literally says that men will flee in fear of their lives for what is coming upon this earth. It's, it, it is going to be a time that is just, uh, it, it is just complete wickedness and complete evil. And if, if there's a way that I could describe it, it would be the absence of God. A lawless time. You ever ask yourself the question, why are you here right now? Why weren't you born a thousand years ago? Or maybe, why weren't you born whenever creation happened? Why are you here right now in this moment? Why am I here? I ask myself that all the time. And the answer that keeps repeating in my head is because God put me here for a reason, right? He knew that I needed to be in this time period, which speaks more about, again, than any time period in history. I was put here. Because God knew that there was going to be a time where he needed me. Not that God needs us, but you know what I mean. God uses us, right? But then he put us here because he needed us here at, 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 at this time to help. And God is calling every single person in these last days to come to him. You know, he's speaking to everybody's hearts saying, come, now is the time. Lay down all of your worries. Lay down your hurts. Lay down these pains. Lay down the offenses. Lay down everything that has taken a piece of your heart and a piece of your soul and has bogged you down and prevented you from living the life that God really intended for you to be. He is asking all of us to do that. Jesus said to come to him, all that are heavy laden and burdened, he'll give us rest. That rest could also be interpreted as peace. Comfort. Right? Again, going back to knowing who you are and knowing whose you are really is important. When you truly know those two things, you don't have to worry about what's to come. You don't have to sit back and worry and think about, well, am I going to make it to heaven? Am I not going to make it to heaven? Because you know that you are. You know, this time right now, it's, it's a time for you to slay your own giant. 
You know, I think of David. I preached a message a long time ago about David, and they were going into detail about how he flung the rock at Goliath and what it would have actually taken, the velocity that it would have taken to actually knock down somebody of his size. And he would have had to have been running full speed as fast as he could, swinging it. So it shows you the faith and the, and, and, and the knowing that he had in God. When you see this big giant that's, you know, 12 foot you know, tall plus, and there's David, this little shepherd boy, running full speed while all the other army are sitting back saying, we, ain't, we don't want to touch him. We ain't going nowhere near him. He's too big for us. And there's little David, the shepherd boy, saying, I got this. And he goes up and says, you may come to me with a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I'm coming right at you, and I don't care because God got my back. Amen. So it's time for you to slay your giant. What is your giant? Whatever it is. Hopelessness, bitterness, depression, addiction, whatever it is. We all need to, to, to slay that giant once and for all. Cut the head off and bury it and be done. This is our bounce back moment. You have value. You have greatness that is inside of you, every single one of us. And it's ready to be unleashed, but we have to unleash it. We cannot sit back and expect God to fight our battles for us. He will, but we have to be involved as well. It's a two-part relationship. We just can't sit back and, and then do nothing. We have to be more involved, which means getting in the Word, preparing for everything, getting all of your weapons in, in your arsenal and using all of them. Philippians 4.13. So everybody knows it, right? I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Not some things, not a couple things, but I can do all things. So no matter what it is, remember a while back we did the illustration about the mustard seed and how small the mustard seed was. And that if we all just had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we could say unto this mountain or this problem or situation, beest thou removed and cast into the sea. If we just believe, believe in him and believe in ourselves. I remember a while back when I did the youth. <laughs> Cindy probably remembers this. Rachel, you probably remember this too. I did a sermon on an on, uh, on, um, onion. And I said that you have this little, you know, this, this little white bulb that you put down into the ground and then it grows into this bigger thing and it's all covered in mud and it's dirty and you got the outside layer that's kind of peeling off and it looks unrecognizable from what it first was, right? But how that... That onion, though, is a representation of us and how we allow certain things in this world to put layers on us. We allow offenses to scar our hearts, to take a piece of us. And then in turn, we don't worship as freely as we should or we don't give God everything that we really wanted to give him. Well, God wants to come in and one by one just rip him layers off to get you back to who you really are and who you are supposed to be. You were never intended to be this thing over here. He wanted you to be free, to be powerful, to be his. You are his child. You are the head and not the tail. He tells us that we are royalty, kings and priests. And did you know that one day we will actually judge angels? We will judge angels. This was our earth, and they came down here and tried to corrupt it, okay? So therefore, this earth was given to mankind, so we now get the opportunity to sit with Christ and judge them for what they have tried to do to us, to steal our world and to steal our salvation and to try to sever our connection between God. Amen. Today is your Red Sea moment. What do I mean by that, okay? We know the story. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt for over 400 years, they were slaves and in bondage. And then one day they come in and Moses does everything right and Pharaoh finally decides to let them go. And they start going through the wilderness and they get to a point at the Red Sea where they cannot go no further. And they look behind them and what do they see? Pharaoh's army is coming. A lot of them panicked and said, let's kill Moses and give him to him. That way, he, you know, Pharaoh will take us back, right? And Moses is looking at everybody saying, stand still and see the salvation of, of our God. And boom, the waters parted. That day is today for everybody. You can go into your promise, to your promises that God has, or you can turn right back around and go to Egypt. But we can't stay stuck in the mud, though. We can't stay lukewarm because the Bible says we're either hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. The decision needs to be made. Know who you are, who you truly are. Focusing on Jesus. It is because of his crucifixion 
that we even have the choice today to choose him prior to him there wasn't no remission of sins God was blinded by the sins and you went to paradise I'm sure you all know the story but you went to Abraham's bosom and literally there was two two places you had Abraham's bosom and you had hell and in between there was a gulf that was separated there but prior to Jesus that's where you went but when he died on that cross he gave us that choice back that we could be reconciled back to the father and spend eternity with him he gave us the choice to be free or to stay in bondage out of all the rulers in this world, okay? Napoleon actually said this. Out of all the rulers and all the kings in this world that have ever existed, every single one of them has come to power through some means, either by fear or deception or forcing someone to worship them, except one, Jesus Christ. And it was through love. Love truly is the greatest of all. Faith, hope, and love, right? He is the only one that could have done what we needed to have done. Everything we do in this world is an axiom of choice. And Jesus literally gave us the opportunity to have that choice. So the world has done everything it can to bash his name, to make fun of him, to ridicule us. I can't tell you how many times that I've been made fun of. It's all right. You can call me a fool. They called Noah a fool too, you know that? Right. Amen. We know what happened there. Right. Amen. The world has truly tried its best to get you to forget who you are and whose you are. Some people have even taken the name Jesus and even used it for profit, for gain, for just, you know, good old-fashioned greed or to start wars or whatever it is. You think he would approve of this? Of course not. It's a shame when you think about it. Like, it really is hurtful. When you look at the downright disrespect and blasphemy that our Lord has had to endure. Can you imagine? I mean, you're God, right? You know what I mean? Like, you're the, you're, everything was all created by him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were created by him. And you're watching your creation, who you made, who you gave life to, that's sitting there making fun of you, ridiculing you every chance they get, calling you crazy because you believe in Jesus. Well, call me crazy then. I don't care. These people that do this are literally, truly what the Bible calls sheeps and wolves clothing, right? Especially people that are in the church. It's a shame that we have to deal with it that way, but that is the reality. There are a lot of church people out there in churches that are just not good, that are corrupt, and all they see is dollar signs. They could care less about your salvation or about anything else. They just want to see the money, and that's it. Going back a moment, though, to us being spirit first and then flesh second. The realness of this world is just merely an illusion then, right? Did you know that 99% of all matter in this world is actually just empty space? That's it, right? But we know that other world, the world to come, is our real world. In layman's terms, the unseen, again, is what is controlling the scene. But we look at the cross and what was truly accomplished there by Jesus, and we understand that truly he was the only one who could have done what he did. We were all tainted because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He was the only one that could have done it. And God, in his beautiful, wonderful mercy, not doing what he did with Noah and destroying everything and hitting the reset button, he decided to give mankind one more chance. The programmer had actually came down this time to fix a glitch that was in the system or in the matrix. He came down to fix that connection that was severed. To bring that connection back, to reconcile us back to the Father. And he was a piece of the programmer was here to give us the most important choice that God could ever give us. The most important gift, and that is choice. And he had to balance the equation, right? 
positive, negative. You remember learning about equations in school, right? On, off, up, down, left, right. You have to have a balance of good and evil to be given a fair choice. So it had to be the equation balancing out. Yet in that hour when Jesus hung on that cross, every demon in hell, every creature that gathered in preparation, drooling at their mouth to watch our king be crucified. For if darkness had one wish, it would be to have the single choice that mankind says that they don't want or that they don't care about. Like fiends, they growled and they climbed and pushed at one another to get a simple glimpse at him being beaten and humiliated. And mankind, his own creation, sitting there mocking him and spitting in his face. The demons and evil spirits, they weren't laughing. Mankind was. Because they knew exactly who this was. They could see the connection and the light that was in him. They knew who Jesus was. But mankind and all their ignorance, sitting there, laughing, casting lots, mocking, making fun of him, doing everything they could. And even the demons in hell and even the ex-angels, they weren't looking at the man, they were looking at the flesh. But they were looking at that light and connection. And what they had had at one point long ago, the connection that they once had before they fell. And they wanted a piece of it. They wanted it so bad that if they'd had throats, they would have literally slit each other's throat just to have a taste of it. For in this hour, they would literally get to tear a piece of God themselves. And he would lay there vulnerable for us, for all the sinners, for the lost, and for everyone that mocked him. He would lay there for all of us. Amen. Sometimes to fix a problem, You've got to go deep to the core. And Jesus did that. The evil ones, including ex-angels at one point, some of them the most beautiful creatures in the world, enthusiastically waited to watch the Son of God be broken down, to be destroyed. Drooling at their mouth, they anxiously awaited to declare the victory, hoping for the destruction of mankind. At this point, weak and beaten, Jesus looked at the crowd and in the eyes of the man, he saw the joy they had in humiliating him and beating him until he was unrecognizable. You know, the Bible actually says that he didn't even look human anymore. That's how badly he was beaten. But laughing and giggling and jumping as the blood ran down his body, even giving him vinegar to drink. He said he was thirsty. Truly is amazing what he had to go through for all of us. And looking in the eyes of a soldier, he finally plunged in the final spear into his side. And he uttered, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. With death creeping upon his physical body, Jesus lifted up toward the heavens. The connection was starting to finally dwindle. And then the connection finally failed. All hell rushed in and Jesus screamed, Father, why have you forsaken me? This is where he became sin. And God had to leave him at that point. Three days had passed after he finally died. And something was done that had never been done before, nor could it have been done by any other. The programmer had just fixed a flaw from inside rather than just hitting the reset button or delete button. He decided to get his hands deep in the mix this time, or what darkness would call the human experiment. And again, there was another connection finally formed again. The connection was restored back. 
Behold, I give unto you power to trample upon scorpions, snakes, and over all the power of the enemy. He restored that for us, to give us that, that, that power. Before the foundations of the earth, God made the choice and he chose mankind. And in fact, it is because of that very choice that we are sitting here today. What had begun 33 years earlier with a Hebrew woman in a barn in Bethlehem was finally finished. You know, in Genesis, the prophecy when God is judging the serpent, he tells him, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. He was telling him right there, it's coming from a virgin birth, right? The seed of the woman will crush your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he's going to deliver the death blow to you. As Jesus said, the wild vine would be grafted into the branch. And we are in fact that wild vine and our father is the branch. This was all done for you, for me, and for all of us to give us the simple choice that a lot of mankind doesn't even want to have. Even amidst all the darkness that's around you, praise God for it. Praise God for every evil thing that breaks down your neck. Praise God for every demon that conspires against you. Praise God for every demon that wishes to take your life. Praise God for trials and tribulation. As Paul said, the tribulations of this world are nothing compared to the glory that is to come in the next life. Praise God for this moment right now. Praise God for this church. It all goes back to what I said earlier. What am I? Who am I? And whose am I? You are not the collection of desires that this corruptible flesh cries out for. You are not the sum of all the wrong decisions you've made. You are not anything that this world tries to put on you. Would God literally give up his, his only son to endure the horrific beatings and crucifixions of the cross only to give it to somebody who wasn't worthy of that gift? Of course not. You are his son or daughter, and you are literally a piece of him. The choice is yours, though. Will you decide today to put those things to rest? Those things that have taken a piece of your life and have bogged you down for years, that have left their imprint and their scar upon your heart, will you allow God to finally take those things and get rid of them finally? Or will you stay in Egypt? Will you stay in bondage? Or will you cross over that Red Sea today into your promised land, into your promises of God? Will you allow him to take all the hurt and pain and the scars that people have put upon you and finally throw them into the sea of, of uh, forgetfulness? then today is your day. The moment is now for you to understand who you truly are and the greatness that is inside of you waiting to be unleashed. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are a piece of this light. And I don't care if you are saved and been in church for years or I don't care if you're somebody new and doesn't matter. And the point of it is that everybody struggles with something. There's always something that everybody struggles with. Don't wait any longer for it. Give it over to God. Take it. Ask him to strengthen you and to open your eyes. You can turn that up, Terry. So today I ask every single person here and every single person watching, do you truly know who you really are fully? Maybe you have an idea of who you really are. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think that you're good. Maybe there isn't nothing that you struggle with. Praise the Lord. But if it is you 
and you do have any area of your life, then I, 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 I really do implore you. Come to this altar. Tell God, please, Lord, get me right. Don't leave here today not knowing what the future holds. Don't leave here today. Don't wait another moment, but come. Come and give God whatever it is, that one area or one thing or whatever it is that you've been struggling with and tell him to finally set your feet upon dry land. Finally get me to a point, Lord, where I no longer have to worry about those things that have, that have bogged me down. I am greatness. There is greatness in me. And no matter what I do, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his words will become constantly upon my lips. So today I encourage every single one of you. Don't tarry any longer. Come. Come to the altar and just tell God. Just take it. You don't need someone to lay hands. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It's between you and God. Come and let him do a good work in you. Understand who you are and the greatness that is in you. He will take care of the rest. Amen. Until you came, I was living like a fire. Never heard of the sun and the sky.
pray, Lord, that you pour out on every single person here during the week. Lord, you keep every single person safe. And that you would bring us all back, Lord, next Sunday, Lord, to worship you again and to be back into your presence, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that all the people that we encounter from here until then, Lord, that, that a, 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 literally a piece of you that is on us would fall off onto them, Lord, and they would start to question who they really are, Lord. And if people that don't know nothing about you, Lord, I pray that they would start to open their eyes to the real truth. And the truth is, is that there is an unseen world, and that world is dictating here, and ultimately, one day, you will spend eternity somewhere. Keep us all safe, Lord. Keep your spirit upon every single person. We love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, and our Savior. And the whole church says,